0: Welcome to Clearly KC, a podcast produced by the National Keratoconus Foundation, featuring information about life with keratoconus. I'm your host, Dr. Melissa Barnett. I am so excited to introduce you to my great friend and superstar, Dottie Fidel. Dottie is a clinical scientist at the Center for Ocular Research and Education. She is a pioneer of modern lens designs and a specialist in contact lenses For irregular corneas, including keratoconus, amongst other specialties. She studied optometry at ISSO in Rome in an accelerated program with honors. We are authors, Dottie and I, of the clinical guide for scleral lens success. Dottie Fidel is the author of the book, Scleral Lens Complications Their Recognition, Etiology, and Management. And we are currently writing a book together on specialty contact lenses coming soon. So every July is Dry Eye Awareness Month, and today's episode is on keratoconus and dry eye disease. So we're going to answer some of your questions about dry eye disease and keratoconus. Welcome, Dottie. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Melissa, for this uh, nice introduction and how happy I am to be part of uh, this podcast and especially with you. Thank you for
0: including Oh, me. this is going to be so fun. Let's talk dry eye. Dry yeah. eye disease is an incredibly prevalent condition. How common do you feel dry eye is in people with keratoconus? So
1: we are used to think about two different population in scleral lenses in our practice. One is keratoconus and the other one separated is dry eye. But we found that unfortunately, keratoconic patients almost always suffer from dry eyes, especially when that keratoconus is advanced, they have important, significant symptoms of dry eyes. So we have to combine these two conditions in only one population keratoconus is associated with dry eye.
0: I completely agree, and it can be all sort of severities of dry eye, from mild dry eye, moderate, and even severe dry eye as well. Correct, yeah. Going basic to start, but what are the different types of dry eye that are out there in general?
1: So there are different types, uh, starting from marginal dry eyes, uh, this is the, the, the severity. So marginal dry eyes, mild dry eyes, moderate and the uh, advanced dry eye, the severe one. And also we have two types of dry eye, aqueous deficiency and evaporative dry eye. So it's important to differentiate these two categories to understand which treatment we have to prescribe to our patients. And there are also mixed dry eyes. So not totally um, aqueous deficiency and not uh, totally evaporative. So it's mixed. And we have, the TIFAS report have produced an algorithm to understand at which stage we have all the treatments available. And it's done in four stages. And every stage, it depends also on the severity and also the kind of dry eye that we have to deal with.
0: Right, so I think the take-home message here is that dry eye is very complex. And right, it's a multi-factorial, complex. as TFOS has taught us. And it's oftentimes mechanism. And so we do have the aqueous deficiency. We have evaporative dry eye. And we're talking about keratoconus as well and different treatments. We do have to look at the big picture so the eyelids and lashes, the cornea, the conjunctiva, and different sorts of treatment modalities, including specialty lenses.
1: Yes, we have to perform different diagnosis to understand which dry eye we are dealing with, to understand the treatment. That's correct. So from the conjunctiva, from the eyelids to my bone gland deficiency and all the factors that can lead to dry eye, like also the tear volume as well. We have to do several tests to understand which dry eye
0: we are dealing with. So in your practice, when you're treating dry eye, do you have a sort of standard protocol or do you customize it based on each individual patient?
1: I have a protocol, but I tend to customize the care and the treatment depending on the patient. So. It's not one for everyone. Also, in Italy, when I had my practice in Italy, we didn't have the possibility in treating dry eye as optometrists. The regularity are very, very clear on this. Only ophthalmologists could do that. But we can assist ophthalmologists in fitting scleral lenses
0: and also having some eye drops with scleral lenses during the day. Right. That's an important point now that you're in Canada. Completely different, right? totally different. Yes. And in the U.S., of course, we can diagnose and treat all sorts of eye conditions, including dry eye. And my practice is quite heavy in dry eye, but thanks for bringing the international perspective because it's really not the same. It's quite different in different countries.
1: Exactly. You can do the examination, but you cannot diagnose. If you see something which is altered, so you need to refer to the ophthalmologist. And then it, Becomes a collaboration between optometrists and ophthalmologists.
0: So interesting. And know you told me this before. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. Another question is about the tear film. And it's asking if the tear film is in the front or the back of the contact lens. Oh, it's in both sides, the tear film is everywhere also
1: is very, very small part. So the contact lens, every contact lens divide the tears in, in two parts. One will be on the, on the anterior surface and fortunately we will have some behind the lens. And it depends on the contact lens that we are wearing. This thickness of, let's call it fluid reservoirs, is different. Like in soft contact lenses, it will be the tear film behind and in the anterior surface. With scleral lenses, we don't have enough tear to fill that the gap between the lens and the cornea. So we need to fill it with non-preserved saline. That's why we call it fluid reservoir, post-lens fluid reservoir. So that, yeah, the tear film is everywhere and it's protective for the cornea. And in dry eyes... As contact lenses become a problem also with scleral lenses because the tear film over the anterior surface is not sufficient or the quality of that tear film is not good enough. So we have to add some treatment to ameliorate the uh, wettability of the lens surface.
0: That was a great answer to the question. I love the tear film. And I talk about tear film homeostasis a lot with my patients because I feel like they really understand that, that natural balance of the tear film. The tear film has hundreds of proteins that bathe and protect the cornea. It's the first refracting surface. So it provides good vision as well. I had a patient yesterday who had a really irregular tear film and a lot of tear film debris and in a normal cornea and had reduced vision because of it. So we definitely want to optimize that ocular surface. And one of my goals for the next five years, and Dottie, you're going to help me with this, is to get practitioners to love the tear film. And when I lecture and ask who loves the tear film right now, I'm getting like one or two hands. Oh, so wow. I'm get everyone to oh, love. Yeah. A lot of work to do. Let's do it. It, it, it. We also have here in the U.S. a few new pharmaceutical options that are gonna help optimize that tear film. One is just recently FDA approved and one will be FDA approved in the next month or so. This is a super exciting time for the tear film.
1: And we're gonna help
0: me, right? We're gonna absolutely learn yes. to love the tear film.
1: Yeah. And I have objective for the next years as well. You know how I'm in love with clenal lenses and we always Think about scleral lenses in severe, moderate, severe dry eye. We don't think of them in marginal dry eye when patients have end-of-the-day discomfort. So I want to push on this to avoid the uh, dropout from contact lenses and to maintain at least or to increase again the quality of life because we know how contact lenses increase the quality of life. So it's important to concentrate on dry eye, not only the severe one, also the marginal one. And we have so many treatments. Clearness is one of these, but we have so many treatments, as you mentioned, of new products coming out. So definitely we need to concentrate on those.
0: Yep, we're very much aligned here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm writing on that, lecturing on that too, the benefits for mild to moderate dry eye. And one of the questions is, What is the best way to manage dry eye? And I'm going to start with my take on it and then ask you some additions as far as contact lenses go, too. But we really do need to address the lids and lashes. There are, of course, prescription medications that we can use for dry eye. There's a nasal spray, which is working great um, to treat dry eye as well, which really increases tear production. We have these new products that are coming. I'm a fan of Omegas as well, adding that in. We have compresses. We have in-office procedures, thermal expression. We have IPL. So there are many different things we can do to manage dry eye. Daddy, share with us some tips about how to manage dry eye in scleral lenses, especially when there's front surface fogging, and fogging in the fluid reservoir between the lens and the cornea.
1: This is a great question. It's very challenging to respond it because it's challenging to understand how to manage these issues. It's not simple. So as I said before, fortunately with the scleral lens, the fluid reservoir behind the lens will moisten the ocular surface, underlying ocular surface. But now that problem is The anterior surface of the lens is exposed to the air and if that tear film is not enough or the quality of the tear film is not good enough, we need some treatment over the lens surface like Hydrobeck. This is a special treatment that we can add to the lens uh, and it will ameliorate the wettability of the lens and will increase comfort. So... Patients with dry eye can benefit from this treatment when they are wearing scleral lenses. Another issue is, um, is midday fogging is when we have the accumulation behind the lens in the fluid reservoir behind the lens. And patients with dry eye are more prone to have this issue. So... What we do generally is to adjust the fit to see the lens, but in these patients, the lens fit is not the problem. The problem is because of the tear film quality or quantity uh, is not good enough. So we have these midday fogging. There are several approaches, there are several solutions. One effective is to mix 50% of non-preserved saline with a 50% of more viscous solution. The more viscous solution block the formation of debris so that patient may have benefits from this uh, technique. Not more than 50% because the a viscous solution will have impact on visual agility. Another uh, thing that patients can have only if they have extreme fogging behind the lens and their vision is compromised is remove the lenses during the day and um, apply them. I don't like this technique because it will not resolve in long term, this fogging behind the lens. But these patients need to function during the day and this fogging is so important that they cannot see. So the only solution is to remove the lens and have fresh saline and the solution behind.
0: Well, those are excellent tips. I also think it's really important to manage the eyelids and lashes and sort of everything else that we talked about before too when we're fitting scleral lenses for dry eye. And there are a few studies out there. So one is Hydropeg on the surface of a scleral lens actually helps patients with dry eye. Another is the solution in the bowl of the lens. One with electrolytes actually helps with that fogging. And then a different study looking at a buffered solution also benefits uh, people with dry eyes. So if you are a scleral lens wearer, I would recommend you talk to your doctor and ask which specific solutions uh, you should be using because solutions in the bowl of the lens are so important. But Daddy, what about artificial tears? Those are incredibly important too. What sort of artificial tears are recommended for dry eye, which one should we avoid? There
1: are several uh, tear film, ava- um, uh, eye drops available for dry eyes. Uh, everyone has its own characteristic, but for skin lenses, just to have better with maybe not lipid based solution would be better. And as you said. The solution behind the lens is very important. So in U.S. you have a particular one that we don't have in Europe, but in Europe, there is another one with electrolyte solution is very helpful for the
0: fluid reservoir. That was a great point. Excellent. So I I sort of recommend avoiding preservatives, especially BAK, because that can increase dryness on the ocular surface. And there's some really nice multi-dose preservative-free artificial tears, at least here in the U.S., um, other parts of the world as well that are really beneficial for dry eye. So we have a lot of different products out there and a lot of great new artificial tears in the last few years.
1: Yes. And the preservative is very important with clear lenses to avoid them just because they may enter behind the lens, stay in contact with the cornea and may harm the cornea during lens wear.
0: Exactly. So our last question is, if there are any foods, certain foods or supplements to help with dry eye?
1: I have my idea here. We know that uh, the inclusion of omega-3 yeah. in our diet is very helpful. And I am very fan of the Mediterranean uh, diet it is very, very helpful for dry eye. So a balance of all nutrients together is very helpful. And the oil, the olive oil is helpful as well for dry eye. So Mediterranean diet is definitely helpful. Excellent.
0: So I I actually lecture on nutrition and dry eye and did a search of the best diet for dry eye. And Mediterranean diet is definitely one of them. But there are all sorts of other diets that are recommended for dry eye. But looking at the big picture, drinking water is helpful. Mm -hmm. Having some caffeine, not too much uh, caffeine. Lots of alcohol. And vegetables, exactly. So, having a an exercise, you know, sort of all the normal things that are good in general are also good for dry eye. But fortunately, because I love my coffee, a little caffeine's okay. It's not too much. Yeah, a little fine as well, of course, <laughs> of course. Well, Daddy, I really want to thank you for your expertise and all of the great information about dry eye and keratoconus. Thank you all so much for joining us on Clearly KC. Please listen to the Clearly KC podcast on Podbean or your favorite podcast app to subscribe and get future episodes. For now, I'm Dr. Melissa Barnett. Please join us next time on Clearly KC.